Welcome everybody to the Safina Society. Nothing but facts live stream uh, on Thursday, in which today is a day in which we always cover the stories of the Odia. And today we're going to go beyond that and do, go do the story of the greatest moment, the highest moment that any human being has ever been in, and that is the Mi'raj of the Prophet ﷺ, with specific focus on what the Prophet, on the, the element of the, the moment of the Lot Tree. Okay. The Lot Tree with the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, which is considered the greatest moment. In the life of the in, in in any that any human being has attained, and the prophet was given this at the worst moment time in Mecca. In the dawah, the dawah of the messenger at that time was at its lowest phase, and Abu Talib, the protector of Sayyid al Kaunain, or we should say the the one who was Allah is the protector of the Prophet but the one who was a, the chief that was allowing the dawah to happen. He was allowing the dawah to happen. And of course, the prophets internally, his uh, support and his internal protect, uh, 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 love really in his home was Sayyidah Khadija. They were gone. Ta'if had really mistreated the messenger, peace be upon him. And it was considered a low point. This was the lowest point. At the lowest point, it's almost like things are perfect opposites, right? When you're at your earthly lowest point, that's actually what the moment when you're ready for the spiritual highest point. And if you think about it, spirituality takes the, these spiritual uh, uh, occurrences, they take a lot of energy from a person. And it requires a lot of solitude away from the busyness of this world. I remember Abdul Qadr al-Jailani, wrote and and because he he gave a lot of ramadan lectures that were written down he didn't write most of those those most of his works were his students wrote his lectures and he was giving a talk about how sayyidina musa alayhi salam spoke to allah the first time it was 10 years eight or 10 years unknown um from the time that he had left Fir'aun, and he had ran from Fir'aun. and he said that for about that time he spent most of his day, the vast majority of his time, with the animals, right? just not talking. And he said it took that long for the memory of what happened with the Pharaoh and all that world to fade from his mind. So it takes a long time. You can't just have solitude for you know, a, a couple hours and that's going to fade away all your memories. and all Not memories, it's just that the, the attention... All of our attention is on the dunya, right? So, in COVID, we, ha- we had that, and we may never have that again. In COVID, like, after about eight, I would say it took about six months before all of our dunyawi vibration almost, imagine that you're in like a dunyawi vibration that settled completely. Because even as COVID began, we all just tried to recreate life virtually. But after that got old and stale and boring, people quit that. I remember, like, I'm not streaming anymore for people. Khulas, I'm done. It's, it's like, it's enough is enough, right? This, this is useless. And people don't want to go on. You can't go on Zoom that long. Your eyes are just going to be blurred, right? 
And by around the December, September, October, November, December, at around that time of 2021, or wait, 2020, December of 2020, that's when I think people say, oh, forget this whole thing, right? And we just stayed home, right? And just home all the time. Now, there was a little bit of going out with masks, but I think that's when it hit that people truly had, they were capable of sustaining long periods of solitude. I, I know I was capable of sustaining it, right? And any business that you had faded away. You try to recreate your business virtually, then that faded away. Now you literally don't have anything to do for long stretches of time. Okay. Same thing is, is, is when, when you're in your earthly low point, one of the features of that, there's nothing to do. And at the, this time, of course the messenger has the message to give, but there are very few Muslims at the time. They, there are few, he's, he's not their arbitrator. The, there, are no one, there are no cities attacking Islam. Medina gets extremely busy. You're running a whole city. Families are now looking up to you. Businessmen are bringing their issues to you. Everyone's bringing issues to the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jibreel is giving him uh, messages. There's, no time, there's not a minute of time. Enemy cities are coming. So this period of time, there's a lot of solitude for the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa so I called Ayam al Huzn, a year of sadness. Right? It was nothing, nothing happened. Even the Taoist complete standstill. So when he came out of this and began to go to the other cities, things got worse. And Ta'if mistreated him extremely badly. And then Allah Ta'ala elevated him. Now, what we're, because we only have a one hour stream and then QA after that, we're, we're going to go straight to the strongest point of the Mi'raj which is the lot tree and what is beyond that. That is where Allah chose, that is the location Allah chose to do tajalli of what He wills to the Messenger Just like for Sayyidina Musa, Allah chose Mount Sinai on this earth, Turi Sina, for the tajalli, for Musa to receive Allah's manifestations, tajalli. As opposed to the thought that uh, no one imagines Allah came down to Mount Sinai, right? Likewise, Allah was not at the low tree. Allah has no location. Every location is the, the khalq. And we don't believe in hulul. Hulul means Allah entering His creation. It would imply hulul. And we don't believe in hulul. And whoever believes in hulul, uh, yeah, and we're just going to say kafar. It's true, right? If you believe in hulul, faqat kafart. You believe Allah enters His creation? That's kufr. So we say that that is the location that Allah chose to give the Messenger tajalli. And that is a location that is so bright with strong with divine light that even Sayyidina Jibreel said, if I pass it, I will be burnt, as we're going to see here. We're reading from who else? Sayyid Muhammad al-Alawi al-Maliki. His book on Al Isra'u Mi'raj and Sayyid Muhammad Al Alawi Al Maliki, he was focused on what he called Al Ulum Al Nabawiyyah. This is not a traditional term. But everything related to Sayyid Al Kawnayn was his specialty. Which, of course, 99% of that's hadith, right? But it's just different. So Isra'u Mi'raj being a specific sub branch of hadith in which gathering all the hadiths about this. The Prophet ﷺ was raised up to the lot tree of the farthest limit 
the farthest limit that creature, creatures can go okay, in this universe. Remember, it's all in the, the universe. The word universe refers to anything besides Allah. We humans, where are we going to go? In the universe. We're going to always be in the universe, right? There's no such thing as a human being outside the universe. You're in the universe. Even when you're a soul only, you are a subtle matter and you're in the universe. It's just something we can't comprehend. Okay. Without body, without the, this fit, thick material body that we have. But it's still in, inside the universe. So the furthest limit of where create, uh, the khalq and the creation can go. Okay. There ends whatever ascends from the earth before it is seized and whatever descends from above before it is seized. And it is said the akhdar, the destinies of people, emerge from this this is like the lot tree is the first place where, it's, where the, the destinies are written, and then they go down. And Allah knows best. We'll see what they say. It is a tree from the base of which issues rivers, whose water is never brackish, and rivers of milk, whose taste does not change after it is drunk. We know that the roots of trees, what do they do? They pull water, right? If you want, tree, if you want water in a place, put trees. And there's a certain type of tree. If you plant it, its roots are so deep, and they pull at the water. Right? How, how this happens? I'm not a geologist. I don't know. And did you guys take earth science? You've taken earth science? So it's true, right? You put certain trees, water develops there. Because the trees, they... How, do, how does a tree pull out the water? Who knows? But that's what they say, right? And there's no reason to doubt it. And it's known. You put trees in certain places. What else happens? If, if trees die because deers eat them, then that area dries up because the trees aren't pulling the water. Okay. But it's said here that this lot tree is what is pulling out at the rivers of paradise. Right? The rivers of the heavens. Okay. Someone on his mount could travel under its shade for 70 years and never come out of it. That's how massive this lot tree is. It's almost like... And I'm, honestly, I start to wonder if the author of Avatar, what's his name? Uh, the author of Avatar or the, you know, the person who wrote that story came upon something like this, where tree, a tree is actually a source of a lot of the life, of course, as a sebab for us, uh, in the heavens, okay? Massive tree, and that, it, as we're going to see, the leaves are shaped like the ears of elephants, and each leaf could wrap up the entire ummah. Like, we could all sit on one leaf. And it is said, and Allah knows best, that the uh, story of people, individuals, is written on each leaf. And if that person dies, it gets sick, the leaf turns yellow. If the person, as it gets old, as that person gets old, the leaf changes the color, changes colors like the autumn. As the person dies, the leaf turns brown and falls off. Good. On top of each leaf, there's an angel who covered it with colors that cannot be described. So the Messenger said about this leaf is that uh, this tree, it contains all of the colors of the world and colors that we have not seen yet. So Allah Ta'ala's creation is magnificent and one of the things that we cannot fathom is the concept of colors that we, we don't know. Like we think, we imagine we have all the colors, right? So you have these base colors and you mix them. Whatever you mix, you get those colors. So the Prophet is saying here, well, our eyes here 
have limits. We can only see a limit of colors. And that in the heavens, the eyes will be able to see more colors. It's one of those things we can't imagine. But it, of course, it's rationally possible. There's no rational reason to, to limit the number of colors that exist. No, there's, there's shrimp that can see colors that we can't see. Ajeeb. Yeah. Shrimp. They can see like way more colors than us. Wow. And how do they know that? Because they looked at the eyes? Something like that. Wow. Ryan just said, I don't know if you heard that, that there are shrimp that uh, can see colors that humans can't see. Well, we know that dogs can hear sounds that we don't hear. And, and they can't see colors that we can see. Dogs? Yeah, Do yeah dogs, dogs are not, uh, they're like partly colorblind. Yeah. They, only, they see the world totally different than us. It's amazing. They hear and see very different from us. And don't, we know that crows and birds, they have a sense perception of when the rain is going to come. Usually when you see, and this is a sign for us, right? When, when you see birds swarming the ground for food, then you know rain's going to come. It's a sign for us. Or bring everything in, right? Bring in your bikes, bring in everything, because... The bird's behavior is to us is a sign that rain is going to come. It's a rahmah for us. On top of each leaf, there's an angel who covered it with colors that cannot be described. Whenever he covered it by Allah's order, it would change. One version says it would turn into sapphire and crystallite, the beauty of which is impossible for anyone to praise according to its merit. On it alighted moths of gold. So there are butterflies and insects of the heavenly realm. Right, that are fulfilling functions because it's still the world of asbab. You have to understand the, the heavens are very different from the paradises. Paradises, we're not talking about paradises here. These are the heavenly realms, meaning abodes like this world, one above the other. And what is the main difference? Paradise does not operate with causes and effects. If you want something, you you have it immediately without a cause. But the heavens still have causes. So you still have this, the cause and effect happening, but at a higher level, a, higher, a level where there's no filth. There's no hardship. There's no dirtiness. There's nothing disgusting. Here in this world, we have things that are disgusting. Why did Allah create things that are disgusting in this world? To show us what exists in hell. Hell is worms and, 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 and cockroaches and uh, hyenas and things that are harmful and disgusting. They exist in the hellfire. You go down, you see the fish at the bottom of the sea, extremely scary. You go to the fish at the top of the sea where there's, uh, they're beautiful. What's the difference? One gets light and one doesn't. So that which is closer to the light, right, and is in clean water, those fish are beautiful. The fish that are in clean water, like you go to the Bahamas and you go to at least what they show us in the advertisements, right? Beautiful water, beautiful sun, beautiful fish. Go to the Atlantic Ocean. Do those fish exist? It's one of the dirtiest oceans, right? Because of all the shipping back and forth and who knows what. It's a dirty ocean, essentially, the Atlantic Ocean. You don't see those beautiful fish here? I've, I've, I've been to many of the Jersey beaches and we have beautiful beaches. Never see those fish, trust me, right? <laughs> go, to, uh, go to the bottom of the sea, wherever you are. The fish look like they're out of hell. Spikes, right? They never have seen light, ever. So, metaphors Allah has given us. And that's what Allah doesn't have to tell us a story. He creates for us. He created those fish, right? For you to see. But it's like a metaphor for us. Or, or a smaller version. The base of the tree, from the base of the tree issued four rivers, 
two hidden and two visible, meaning two you can see and two you can't see. He said, the hidden ones, the said, Prophet asked Jibreel, what are these? Sayyidina Jibreel replied, the hidden ones, they are two rivers of paradise. That means you can't see them here. In paradise, you could see them. And the visible ones, they are the sources of the Nile and the Euphrates. It means that there is a connection somehow, in some way, shape, and form between. Now, this is something that we could say, we, it's in a way that we don't understand. That even earthly things have sources in, the, uh, in a higher realm. Ashami added that one version says, At the base of the tree ran a source called Salsabil. From it issues uh, two rivers. And one of them, from one of them is Al-Kawthar. Al-Kawthar is the fountain of the Prophet Every Prophet has a fountain in the Day of Judgment, after the bridge, the courtyard in front of Paradise. Now you go to the Ottoman Mosque, and there's a courtyard, right? There's a courtyard. You go to the Ottoman Mosque, you walk in, there's a courtyard, open air, and you make wudu there. Then you go into the area of prayer, which is covered and has rugs. The Ottomans built this on purpose by design, imitating Jannah. So Jannah, after the bridge of hell over hellfire in the Day of Judgment, comes a courtyard in which every prophet has a, uh, a fountain and, there, and meets his followers there, his believers there. Okay? And the Muslims will be, meet the prophets so I send them there. Some say that the four khalifas and the wives of the prophet also there assisting him in meeting all the greeting all the believers and Allah knows best okay and then beyond that kothar you drink from that kothar your thirst is quenched completely you're cooled off you just went through an exhausting journey like resurrection is not an easy journey for Abu Bakr Siddiq he has um, a straight pass certain awliya they have a straight pass just like in this life when you when you travel from one place to another what do they call it in the airport? You got to pass. You don't have to go through all that stuff. You just show a certain card. The Prophet said, for Abu Bakr Siddiq, the day of judgment will be the length of praying two rakas. Two rakas. How long does it take to pray two rakas? One minute. Two minutes. Abu Bakr will, they will be found on the day of judgment. Abu Bakr Siddiq, okay, come with us. No qiyamah. No, you're not going to see any of this. No hisab. No nothing, you come straight and you meet wait at the fountain of the Prophet. You drink at the fountain of the Prophet, that's like being at the gate. Khlas, you're clear. You're going to Jannah. You just have to wait. Now you meet your friends, you meet everybody. You you're no longer thirsty, you're no longer tired, and you're just waiting now to enter Jannah. So the Ottomans, they built the massage just like this. You walk in, there's a fountain in the middle, you make wudu there, and then you go into the closed area for the prayer. Ajeeb, ajeeb, ajeeb. I don't know if you all heard, you all heard that, but he said the mentality of people are different based on their, their, their true understanding. 
there are some people who will be so thirsty, they're looking forward to the drink of the kawthar. And yet others will be looking forward to see the one who gives them that, which is the Prophet Prophet has cups and he gives to everybody to drink. So now the question is, where is our mind? On the drink or the Prophet who's given us the drink? SubhanAllah. Very deep insight. What does the poem say? May the Prophet give us? Uh, the cup of the drinking. Yeah. Subhanallah. 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 It says that a poet in Urdu says, we look forward to the cup after he drank from it. Right. So it's, it's again like uh, human beings has levels of our mentality and our, and our spiritual awareness. There's the reward. There's the one who gives us the reward. And the value of the reward is in its connection, in its ability to connect you and make you love the one who gave you the reward. That's the beauty of it. That's why Allah has made us worship Him for selfish reasons. And that is acceptable because that selfish reason, when we do obtain it, you now sell yourself to the one who gave you the reward. You love the one who gave you the reward more than anything else. That's the tadarruj. We all have to accept where we're at and move up levels like this. So it continues here saying that the Prophet said, I saw it flowing, roaring with speeds like arrows, meaning this water was not coming like a gentle, beautiful trickle. It was flowing out hard. Near it were pavilions, meaning, meaning like massive pillars made of pearl and sapphire and crystallite, on top of which were nests of birds living on top of these, more delicate than you have ever seen. On its banks were vessels of gold and silver. It ran over pebbles made of sapphire and emerald. Its water was whiter than milk. It seems to be, in our world, what is the most beautiful sight you can, you can see? There's going to be some natural sight, right? Hmm? Yeah, like natural sights. That's the most beautiful thing in the world. So in Jannah, it is very similar to this, but the materials are different. Like you ever see these beautiful uh, campsites and everything so, so amazing, but you get there, there's flies, right? It's hot, <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, humid, and you're like, man, it looks much better on the Nature Channel than it feels in real life. Like my eyes are amazed, but truth be told, I want to go a holiday inn or something right i want to spend the, i'd rather spend the night in a hotel right because physically you're uncomfortable that's because that's the dunya allah called it the dunya he's not fooling us with anything the lowest thing the dunya is the lowly thing so even the lowly thing has amazing sights in it that human beings will never replicate and never replicate it so these heavens are like that but it's perfection there's nothing dirty there's no temperature that's difficult the Prophet ﷺ took one of the vessels and scooped some water from it and he drank. It was sweeter than honey and more fragrant than musk. And Jibreel said to him, This is the river which Allah has given you as a special gift. And the other river is the river of mercy. The Prophet ﷺ bathed in it and his past and future sins were forgiven. This is the end of a Shami's edition.
what are the sins of prophets? It is, many have differed. Some from Ahl Sunnah said, prophets can commit small sins that are almost like hard, very hard to avoid, right? And, but they only do it once and, and, and they avoid it after that. Or that it's something that was halal, then it became haram. Which is a, not a, always a convincing interpretation because it wouldn't be a sin then, right? Or it's something good that they did which could have been better. So if they did ibadah of 10 rakahs of tahajjud, they could have done 12. Or they gave one piece of advice to a believer that was good, they realized they could have given a better piece of advice. So, Allahu A'lam. But that's the interpretation of the sins. One version says, At the low tree of the farthest limit, the Prophet saw Jibreel is in his angelic form. Previous to this, he was seeing him in a human form. He had 600 wings. Each wing could cover the entire firmament. From his wings, embellishments were sewn, were strewn in all directions. Meaning his wings were like pierced. Not pierced because it's skin. It's not skin, it's a wing. But strewn into it, like sewn into it, were jewels and stones, precious stones, like pearls, sapphires, and, and, and stones that we don't have on this earth. Then the Prophet ﷺ was taken to the Kothar and he was shown paradise. Lo and behold, paradise contains what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has ever imagined. On its gate he saw written, As-sadaqatu bi-ashri amthaliha wa qardu bi-thamaniyati ashara Charity is repulled repaid tenfold and alone eighteenfold. So subhanAllah, you would think, what is what is talking about charity and loans doing there in paradise? Well, is there anything that constrains the heart of a human being more than debt? More than poverty? Like this is one of the Prophet said poverty is so bad, if it was a creature, I would slaughter it. Poverty is so bad that it could lead a person to kufr because the person prays and prays and prays and doesn't get an answer. And they start saying, Allah doesn't, he, he, he doesn't answer. There's no hope in Allah. That's kufr. Right? They, the, the disbelief in qudra. So why Abdul Qadir al-Jailani gave a khutbah. It's a very short Jum'ah khutbah in which he went on and on and on and on about the greatest deed you could possibly do. He said it's better than tahajjud, better than jihad, better than everything else. And he lists, and it's a beautiful poem. And he said it is the most beloved deed in the sight of Allah. And then what is the end of the poem? He said it is to put a bite, a morsel of food in the mouth of a hungry person. This, just this, should really amp up and strengthen our himma for the soup kitchen. It really should. How was the soup kitchen yesterday, right? Alhamdulillah, very good. Are they coming in and out or all from no, the... No, everything's outside now. Still so outside, okay. The brothers, the you saw Walik? Security, mashallah. We have security, right? You saw how awesome that jacket is? We have, oh, he's perfect. Was he standing or walking around or sitting? He was standing in the street. 
At the corner. Yeah. Well, now we're talking about security. Um, that's the thing. That's why it's it's so much better for us to. We have to do it, and we've got to get to seven days a week. That's our goal. Every single day, 50, 60, 100 people are fed. Every single day. That in 10 years, 15 years, I want to hear some, someone say, if it wasn't for the Muslims, we knew we're never going to be hungry because of the Muslims. We knew there's never a day we will not have food because of the Muslims. That's the goal. And I don't want some kind of prison-looking soup kitchen that you go in and you want to leave right away. Eli- uh, what is it called? Elijah's Promise. You ever been there? It's a jail. Huh? Yeah. Elijah's Promise. It's the Christian. It's the Christ- There is no romance to it. There is no happiness to it. It's utter misery. Right? It's like being in jail. It's utter misery. <clears throat> o Jibreel, said the Prophet, how can a loan be more meritorious than charity he said because one asking for charity may still have some need left okay but one who borrows does not borrow except to fulfill his need right subhanallah prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam continued to travel until he reached rivers of milk whose taste never change milk whose taste never change wine that only brings pleasure to the one who drinks it and rivers of honey, purified. Overhanging those rivers were domes of hollowed pearl, whose circumferences is as wide as the Aquarius star. It is said, and Allah knows best, that the rivers of paradise um, are not low, because that would be a hardship for the people. They actually they, they flow at the level of your hands. So that you don't have to bend down to get it. You ever think about the river of Paris? Oh, I have to bend down to get it? No, it's flowing at level of the level of your hand. You just have to scoop it like that. Another narration says, Above the rivers were pommels resembling... Or, or, pomegranates, I believe. Resembling the hides of humped camels. Its birds were like the Bactrian camel. Upon hearing this, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, O Messenger of Allah... They are certainly delicate, and the Prophet ﷺ said, and even daintier to eat, and I hope that you shall eat from it. And the Prophet then saw, ﷺ, the Kothar on its banks were domes of hollowed pearl. The soil of its banks were extremely fragrant musk. Then the fire was shown to him, and in it he saw Allah's wrath and his punishment. Rocks and iron were thrown in it constantly. The fire would consume them completely. In it were people who were eating carrion. There's dead animals there, and that's what they're eating. Eating carrion. The Prophet said, O Jibreel, who are they? He said, the backbiters. Backbiters. People who backbite. This is why one of the reasons, and I don't like mean to offend any non-Muslims out there, but one of the reasons I never really was able to get close ever to people is they backbite how could I befriend someone who backbites like you guys have no law against it so like you're, you're it's in your culture right anyone who's worked in a workplace who's who, who's worked in a workplace that's full of non-muslims now if muslims does we could say stop it's haram 
right? And most Muslims won't. Like most practice masjid Muslims will get it out of them real quick. And the backbiting of, that we may do is what is permitted, meaning your public statements. That's permitted. You put up a public statement, a post or something, or a video that is full of nonsense. I can talk about it, right? But it's better to, to, to only talk about it if there's a need. But if you put it out there in public, I can talk about it. I'm not talking about your face. I'm not talking about your voice. I'm, ta I'm not talking about your life. I'm talking about what you said, right? That's permitted. But it's even better to avoid that because it's negative. It's looking at the, the, the ills of people, looking at the flaws of people. It's better not to do that. But it is permitted if there's a reason. But any of you who've worked in a place, like a staff of all non-Muslims, backbiting is how they pass the time. The moment a person leaves, backbiting. The moment he leaves the room, he can come back and you smile at him again. It breeds hypocrisy in the person, by the way. It breeds two-facedness. So it's very hard for me to get it close to a people that, uh, that are going to backbite. Okay. The Prophet then saw Malik, السلام, the custodian of the fire. He was a grim figure who had an expression of anger on his face. The Prophet ﷺ greeted him. Then the gates of the fire were closed as he stood outside. And he was raised up beyond the low tree of the furthest limit. And a cloud concealed him from everything else. And Jibreel ﷺ had to stay back. And from this, at this point, there were no longer visions of paradise and hell, no longer seeing the physical lot tree, but there was the reception of the divine tajalli. And the Prophet ﷺ was taken up to a point where he heard the scratching, a scratching noise, and saw that is the pen writing the destinies of people. The divine decree. He saw a man who had disappeared into the light of the throne. And he said, Who is this man? Is this an angel? It was said to him, No. He said, Is it, is it a prophet? Again, the answer is no. He just, he's there in a place that there's no, there are no people. No angel. Jabir cannot pass. But he saw a man walking into the light of the throne and he disappeared. Who is it? The answer was, this is a man whose tongue was moist with Allah's remembrance. In this world, his heart was attached to the masajid, and he never incurred the curse of his mother and his father. That means people who have these attributes, these three attributes, they surpass the level of angels. The Prophet saw a man, that was his soul, that was the soul of the man, had passed, surpassed, the level of an angel. You may think, well, what are these three things? They're like very basic. Well, wouldn't they have to, we all have to have a fair chance? Allah Ta'ala, to draw near to Allah, He gives us things all human beings could do. Cannot anybody always be remembering Allah? Cannot everybody, one of us, love the masajid? We ask Allah Ta'ala never to pull us out of the masajid. And always to keep us in masajid that we love to be in, are happy to be in, and love the company of the people therein, and that are beautiful. And then he says, they never incurred the curse of their mother and father. That means they didn't do uquq al-walidain. And may Allah Ta'ala make us one of them. 
who never do aquq al-walidayn. If your parents are still alive, you're lucky. You have a chance to keep incurring those blessings. Everyone can do this. And this is, this is what life is all about. If that's the reward you get, this is what life is all about. I'm telling you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, describes الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِنُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ we will give him a good life. He believes and he does well. Okay, Means you believe what? You have to have something to believe. you got to study aqidah. Does well. Amal salihat. How do you know what's salih? How do you know what's a good deed? We have good deeds at every level, at the micro level, right? Entering the bathroom with your left foot. Exiting with your right foot. Holding things with your right hand. Dirty things with the left hand. Things at 2 in the morning, you could do it. 2 in the morning, you go to the bathroom. You enter with your left foot. You remembered Allah. It's not about the foot. It's about you remembered Allah Ta'ala. And it has to have an expression, right? Sleeping on the right side. Let alone the big things. The big things of life. How you buy and sell your politics. What is, what is your contribution to life, to the community? Then the Prophet ﷺ saw his Lord most glorious, exalted, and he prostrated. Was it a ru'ya? They differed. And Imam Malik's fatwa was that we will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next life. When Allah ta'ala gives us, replaces these eyes with a type of eye that never fades. An eye that is baqi an eye that lasts forever. Then we will be able to see what is baqi. Okay. Get a footnote here real quick. Let's see what he says in the footnote. Okay. At that time, his Lord spoke to him and said, Ya Muhammad, he replied, All right. Twice at your service. O oh Lord, labbaik, labbaik. Okay. Allah said, sell, ask, ask what you wish. SubhanAllah. The Prophet said, you have taken to yourself Ibrahim as a Khalil and you have given him an immense kingdom, meaning all of the children of Bani Israel are physically his children. They're from his lineage. And all of the Muslims are from his lineage of Iman. They have the Tawheed. You have spoken to Musa directly and you have given Dawood an immense kingdom. He was the first king of prophets. First prophet to be king. Okay? And softened iron for him and subjected the mountains to him. You've given Suleiman an immense kingdom. There's no, no one can match the monarchy that Suleiman had. Jinn were subjected to him. Likewise, winds. And you have given him a knowledge the like of which no one may have after him. He spoke to all the animals. You've taught Isa the Torah and the Injil and allowed him to heal those born blind and to heal the lepers and raise the dead all by your permission. And you have protected him and his mother.
from the cursed devil so that the devil had no path by which to harm them. This is how the Prophet asked the question. He said, Oh Allah, he didn't ask. He said, you have given them, 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 this, this, this. What is the ishara here? Right? You gave it to them. They didn't ask for these things. It's your gift. So Allah is saying, the Prophet is saying, Oh Allah, your giving is better than anything I can ask. That's the fiqh. That's the understanding about Allah. If I ask, I'm limited by my limited being, my limited mind, my limited imagination. I don't know the consequences of what I'm going to get, which does not, should not shy you away from dua, but it's showing you the level of understanding of Allah. At this moment in time, when I'm going to be given anything I ask for, I don't want to make that decision. This is the, this is, if, if you are given one moment right now, you're going to be given anything that you ask for. If you have sense, and by the way, we don't have that, by the way. We have many times of ijab. Many times you can be given whatever you ask for. But let's hypothetically say, you had one situation. The right answer would be, you choose for me. Oh Allah, you choose for me. You have infinite knowledge. You, have, you care for me more than I care for myself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then said, and I have taken you to myself as my beloved and intimate friend. You are my Habib and Khalil. The narrator said, it is written in the Torah, Habibullah. That's one of the signs that's in the Torah of the Prophet Now, what does that come with? You are my Habib. So that's your position with me. What about in the world? What is your impact on the world? I have sent you for all people with no exception. No exception. Some people say, Oh, you have to follow the Prophet, of course, when times were good and it's easy to know who the Prophet is. But now there's confusion, so no one's responsible. We say, that's not the case at all. Anyone who wants any knowledge can get it. How is it confusing? Anyone who wants any... You want to know who Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is? In 25 minutes, you can have an idea. As long as you have Wi-Fi, Allah has made this technology for people to know. If pe- Muslims are going to travel far and wide, Right? How are they going to go to Hajj? Allah created airplanes. Allah did not create migration without airplanes. So we can all go to Umrah. We can all go to Hajj. We can all be at the Kaaba. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never creates a disease without creating the cure. How are there any converts then? Right? Are they any different? Is, is any convert physically different? Are converts to Islam physically different than everyone else? The same human being, right? You cut their skin, blood flows red. Look at their brains. You got the same brain as everybody else. Wealth, ability, there's converts everywhere. They're the proof. If you want it, you can study it. If you never even heard of it, alas, you're forgiven. I have sent you for all people without exception as a bearer of glad tidings and a warner. That's the first thing. You are the messenger to every single human being there after you. Okay? Someone said, okay, then why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send the Prophet in Arabic when most people can't understand Arabic? We say, okay, let's just take this logically. How else do you want it to be? Every Prophet, the, the Quran should have come in all languages. Fine. It comes in all languages. Then what excuse, what reason, then how would we ever unify 
So you have your French Quran. I go to France, I don't understand it. I go to China, I don't understand it. I go to Portugal, it's in Portuguese. I go to America, it's in English. I go to Germany, it's in German. So why would I ever go to these countries? I have nothing to do with these countries. Wouldn't it make more sense to have one universal language? Look at anything that human beings do. Anything that human beings do. The height of advancement is when we get, we get global standards, right? Global standards. And we're getting there. Like globally, like one power outlet. Or, right? Globally, one measure. The whole world uses the metric system. So I don't go to Egypt and they have a, a, a hieroglyphic system, all right? Uh, I need to do measurements, right? I need to measure something. They give me 30 pharaonic cubits. I don't know what the heck that is, right? Give me a metric. We have a metric system across, right? I go to China and they say, well, it depends. We'll, we'll have to use our own Chinese calculators to, to measure length. No, metric system. One global system. Where are we going with currency? Why do people love cryptocurrency? One global currency, right? Where is Elon Musk going with Starlink? One global Wi-Fi system, right? You will all be connected to the internet regardless with Starlink. Like unification is advancement. Localization is rudimentary, right? Think about this. In everything we do, unification of the human being and our behavior and our resources is, it's better, right? So what are your, you, you don't like that, that the Quran came with one language. So everyone adjusts to one language rather than there being 30 languages, all right? And then we are permanently separated. Next, there's more. He gave Allah, the messenger, so much. I've expanded your breast for you and relieved you of your burden and exalted your name and I am not mentioned except that you are mentioned with me. How many? Atat. Atat means given. How, how many gifts are in this? Okay. I've expanded your breasts and relieved you of your burden. Meaning, in Mecca, they were constantly saying terrible things to the Prophet Constantly. Like you as a human being, at a certain point you can't handle any more cursing. You can't handle any more how much hatred people have for you. At a certain point, you can't handle it. You see these people, one Twitter conversation goes bad, they off Twitter, off Instagram, delete everything. They can't handle it. And it's not even to your face. They were saying it to his face. He could not walk out of his house every single day, someone saying something to him. They backbite him all day. So Allah says, I've cleaned all that out of your heart. I've, I've, I've removed all that from your heart. And I've expanded your chest. What does that mean? That means very soon after this, you will live amongst the people who love you. And isn't that what we all want? We want to live with people who confirm you, affirm you, and believe in you. And I've exalted your name. Soon, the Adhan will be called, and your name will be mentioned constantly. And how will it be mentioned? Next to my name. Okay. The ex exaltation of the Prophet wasallam. If you find yourself doing that in any way, shape, and form, you are doing what Allah loves. And Allah is using you for His own will. Well, Allah is using us for His will all the time, but not all His wills are the same. Is His will of creating a human, creating a cockroach the same? No. One is greater than the other. right? One is more noble, we should say, than the other. So the exaltation of the name of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
is one of the greatest wills of Allah Ta'ala. I have made your community the best community ever brought out for the benefit of mankind. This Ummah of Islam has brought more to human beings than anything else, than any other Ummah. And all of the European advancements is built on Islamic, uh, uh, the Islamic world. All the mathematics and science, where was the foundation from? From Persia, from the Muslims of Persia. Abbasid dynasty. Huh? Abbasid dynasty. dynasty at that time. All the mathematics, math, the foundations of mathematics, where does it come from? It comes from there. Hospitals, mental hospitals. Where was the first hospital for the mentally ill? In Darul Islam. Right. Where was the first street lamps? Where was the first sewage system? All of what Europe got, the foundation of it, was they took it from Cordoba. I have made your community a mean and a middle. Meaning, the community is not to any extreme. I have made your community, in truth, the first and the last. How are they? The, they're the last here, but they're the first to enter paradise. I have made public address, khutbah, impermissible for your community unless they first witness that you are my servant and messenger. So why in the Shafi'i school, saying the shahada is a fard in the, in the khutbah. At, in the, before you give a khutbah, you have to say the shahada at some point. I once gave a khutbah at the old MBIC, and in the Maliki method, it's not fard. So I gave it without saying the shahada. So a man came to me and said, by the way, I have to tell you, you need to say the shahada. And then he gave the funniest thing. He said, how else will people know that this is a khutbah of Islam, right? <laughs> I was like, okay, tell me it's fard, but that evidence, no. That, that illa, no. <laughs> how, how else will they know what religion this is unless you say the shahada? I don't know, maybe it says New Brunswick Islamic Center, maybe that's why. But in the Shafi school, it's fard to say the shahada. I have placed certain people in your community with evangels for hearts, meaning huffad, the huffad of the community. Their hearts are just, the Qur'an is in their heart, meaning it is memorized, it is recited non-stop, non-stop. And if you see the huffad who teach hifd, who do all these things, they're non-stop. Um, one of the Egyptian huffad that I uh, had the fortune of meeting one time, he talked about his habits. He has a lot of habits because he is Qur'an 24 hours a day. He teaches hifd. He teaches tajweed. He uh, leads salah all around the world, tarawih, different countries, multiple countries every Ramadan. He recites at all these big shot gatherings, top reciter in the world, right? He has a YouTube studio. He's literally reciting Qur'an more than probably I would say any other activity he does while awake. More than eating, more than talking to people, he's reciting Qur'an. So he said that his morning routine, first thing in the morning, he has to have something warm for his throat. Okay? And then he has to recite five juz from memory, five juz. It's like going to practice. He, his wife sits and he recites to her five juz. And it used to take when he first started, when he was young, an hour and 20 minutes. He now recites the five juz in under half an hour. 
And now his wife has become, she's a Hafiz too. She doesn't even need the Mus'haf to follow along. And he hasn't picked up a Mus'haf in ages. He said like at certain level of Hufad, it is, you would never get caught holding the Mus'haf, looking for the, you'd never get caught with that. There's a whole school in Morocco, Madaris al-Atiqa, ancient schools, where there is not a, it's a Quran school, there is not a single Mus'haf in the whole building. There, there's not, there no, you think you go to Hif school, there should be shelves of Quran, right? Not a single one. So I said, well, what happens if you make a mistake? He said, you have to ask somebody. I'm like, that's a hassle though, right? And it's embarrassing. He's like, yeah, that's exactly the point, right? It's exactly the point. You're going to memorize because you don't want to keep asking people. It's embarrassing. And they do the hifth four times. You do a whole khatam, and then you recite it over a period of days, the entire Quran, and you're only allowed three mistakes. Then you write the whole Quran and you're only allowed three mistakes. Next time around, then you start all over again. You're allowed two mistakes. Next time you're allowed one mistake. Next time you're not allowed any mistakes. So he says that you, you get a day off every three months. He says that um, the sheikh who told me this, his name is... Um, He's in Tennessee. Abdul Malik or Abdul Hakim. Can't remember his name. He's a beautiful brother. You come out of that, you will never, ever forget the Quran. It's impossible. The amount of hifad that you do and tasmiyah that you do over the span of four years, it's impossible to forget the Quran. I think his name is Abdul Malik. I can't believe I remember forget his name. I love the brother. But he's, he, he runs a Quran school in Tennessee. What else has the Prophet been given? I have made you the first Prophet created and the last one sent, and the first who, one who heard, uh, heard in my court. I have given you the seven oft-repeated, Al-Fatiha, which I have given to no Prophet before you. I have given you the last verses of Surah Al-Baqarah, which are a treasure from under my throne, which I have given to no Prophet other than you. I have given you Al-Kawthar. I have given you eight lots, Islam, Hijra, Jihad, Sadaqah, Ramadan, commanding good, forbidding evil. And the day I created the heavens and the earth, I made obligatory upon you and upon your community 50 prayers. I've given you the 50 prayers. Therefore, establish them you and your community. The Prophet then said, My Lord has preferred me over everyone else. I have given, been given more by Allah than all other prophets. He has sent me as a mercy to the world and to tell all people, without exception, as a bearer of glad tidings and a warner. He has thrown terror into the hearts of my enemies at a distance of a month's travel. One month out, the enemies are afraid. Uh, he has made spoils of war lawful to me, whereas they were not lawful to anyone before me. The entire earth was made pure for me for, for Salah. I was given the words that open, the words that close, and that are comprehensive in meaning. Okay. My community was shown to me, and there is none of the followers and the followed, but he is known to me. See that? There is none but the followers and the followed that is known to me. I saw that they would come to a people that wear head-covered sandals, 
hair-covered sandals. I saw that they would come to a people of large faces and small eyes as if they had been pierced with a needle. Nothing of what they would face in the future was kept hidden from me. Meaning, I have seen the Mongols. Hair-covered shoes. Meaning, the Prophet is pointing this, every tribulation that you have is known to me. I know every tribulation that you have. There's no tribulation the Prophet does not know. Okay? These are the Mongols, right? And I have ordered, been ordered to perform 50 prayers a day. Of course, we know they were reduced to five. Yet, if you combine the Sunan with the Fard, you attain to 50 rakas. There are 17 rakat that are Fard. We know that. There are 33 rakas Sunnah. Let's count them. Two before Fajr. You're in Silicon Valley as an IT guy, right? Who do you work for? Facebook or Google? NVIDIA. NVIDIA. They count. So you should be good at counting. In Silicon Valley, you should be good at counting, right? All right. Count for us. Two before Fajr. Eight for Duha. Four before Dhuhr. Four after Dhuhr. Four before Asr. Six after Maghrib. Two after Isha. Two Shafa. Uh, one Witr. How many do we have so far? Two fasts. Man, if I got that right, he'd be working at, at Facebook. Huh? How many is that? How many? 30. And I said 33. Yeah. So let's repeat them again. Two before Fajr. Eight for Duha. Four before Dhuhr. Four after Dhuhr. Four before Asr. Six after Maghrib. Two after Isha. Shafa and which? 33. See that? 33 Sunnah Rakaz plus 17 Fard Rakaz is 50. Each Rakah for one of the 50 prayers. He has been given three particular merits. He is the Sayyid al Mursaleen, master of all prophets and messengers. Proof of that, he led them in the Salah, in the Isra. The leader of the pious, Imam al Muttaqeen, and the chief of those with signs of light on their faces and limbs, Qa'id al Ghurr al Muhajjaleen. Al Ghurr al Muhajjaleen is the type of horse that has wool, uh, uh, fur from its knees down. That's the animal that's called, a, that's what that animal is. So, um, you know the Budweiser horses? Budweiser used to have commercials where they used those horses. They have fur on their, on their, from their knees down to their hooves. Okay. The Qur'an Muhajjaneen is the believers who have the marks of wudu on the Day of Judgment. They're bright. Their face, their hair, their hands to their elbow, and their feet are all bright. They're shining. And that's how the Muslim is known from the, everyone else. 
by that. Which indicates that maybe their wudu was not, the wudu of previous nation was not like our wudu. One narration said the Prophet ﷺ was given the five daily prayers and the last verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. For his sake, whoever of his community does not associate anything with Allah is forgiven his mortal sins. Tawheed wipes out all of your sins. Tawheed wipes out all of your sins. The rejecter of this messenger وسلم, has rejected salvation. Simple as that. Who rejects this messenger who has come and of all faiths and religions we are flooded flooded every social media platform is flooded with Quran and da'wah is the, is the Bible recited on social media the way the Quran is is the biography of Jesus given as much as Sirah is have anybody out there open up any social media platform, give it a year, this place will be flooded with da'wah material. Almost as if Allah said, there's no, there's, there's no way, that you cannot say you're confused. You cannot say you don't know. Then you didn't put effort. There's no way you can put effort and not know who Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was. And, it, and, and to, to, to examine this claim and to listen to the book of Allah is it fathomable or possible right now that you do not have a resource to read the Qur'an? It's not even possible. First of all, you can physically go to any masjid at night. Maghrib, Aisha. The prayer times are known. Right? You, there is not a single uh, person who either does not live around Muslims or have Wi-Fi that does not have access to hear the word of Allah or hear the biography of the Prophet I don't think you can say that about, let's say, Orthodox Russian culture, uh, religion. If you want to know about the Russian Orthodox religion, you sort of got to search for it, right? But Allah has made it in such a way that there may be people who don't even know that the Russians had their own brand of Christianity. Like, some people may think they're Catholics. It's possible. Is, there, is it possible that someone on the earth today does not know that there's a religion called Islam? Right, And guess who did it? The enemies of Islam. They're the ones who blamed the crime of the century on Muslims. So Muslims entered the minds of everybody. It entered the minds of everyone that they're villains. But that villainry has long been forgotten. Right? It's been forgotten. You just had a, the World Cup in Qatar. If they're so bad, why would, you, why would countries send their best athletes to a Muslim country? Like, you're basically, it's a simple... The Moroccan team, and this is something, is lahu, but it has a function. The, the greatest winners out of this was the Moroccan team. Everyone knows about them. Everyone saw them respecting their moms. Do you know a quarter of the world population watched the World Cup? A quarter of the world population saw every nation, European nations, send their best athletes to a Muslim country. Clearly, they can't be that bad. A quarter of the world's population saw Moroccan team, regular people, nothing to fear. Like, I think that whole thing of Muslim terrorists and scare, it faded away. So yeah, it was not, it, it was bad in the beginning, so you can't get worldwide attention in a good way right away. So you got worldwide attention in a bad way. All right, next step, phase out the bad. 
And that whole terrorist thing, it's just fading away. It's like, it's even in Hollywood, it's such an old motif in the movies now. It's, you can't use it anymore, right? The, the American CIA agent lands. they always landing at Dhuhr time. You notice this? It's always Asr. The Adhan is always going off, right? Nothing, they never land between Dhuhr and Asr. Or Asr and Maghrib. They're always landing when the Adhan is going off, right? And she's got the Dabutta down perfect. American CIA agent or journalist, right? He's got the sunglasses and the Dabutta on. Good. Allah. Thereupon, the Prophet ﷺ met Sayyidina Musa salam. The cloud that cloaked the Prophet ﷺ was dispelled, and Jibreel appeared to him, took him by the hand, and they left. When they reached Sayyidina Ibrahim, okay, he did not say anything. When they reached Prophet Musa, he said, O Messenger, what did, what did you do? And what obligations were imposed upon you and your community? He said, 50 prayers in the day and night. That's when Musa salam said, return to your Lord. Ask him to lighten your burden upon the community. Because in truth, your community will not be able to carry it. Verily, I myself have experienced the disposition of people. Like I know the nature of human beings. Okay? Because who did the Prophet have experience with at this time? The diehards. The Prophet's experience was not with a normal community. The Messenger وسلم, at this moment in time, his experience were with people who had given their life for Islam. Is that the norm of a community? No. The community you have everyone in it who's just born into it. Right? That's the community that Prophet Musa had. He dealt with people born into the community. Right? Every type of person, not just the diehards. Okay. I tested the children of Israel and I took great pains to hold them to something easier than this, but they were too weak to carry it and they abandoned it. Meaning that it seems to be that the, the prayers of Bani Israel were two times a day. And we'll see. Okay. Those of your, of your community are even weaker in their bodies and their constitutions, their hearts, their sight, and their hearing. Sayyidina Musa is saying here that human beings have been getting weaker over time. And I think that's, we can see that that's true. Right? Human beings, the more comfortable we get, uh, the lesser we have to do. Definitely, for sure, our generation is weaker than the previous generation. Right? We're just physically, we're not challenged. The Prophet ﷺ turned to Jibreel to consult him, and the latter indicated that, yes, if you wish, you can return. The Prophet sped back until he reached the tree, and the cloud cloaked him again, and he fell prostrate. Then he said, my, my Lord, lighten the burden on my community, for they are the weakest of all communities. He, re he replied, I have removed five of the obligations. Then the cloud was dispelled, and the Prophet returned to Musa, alayhi salam. Okay? And this continued back and forth between Musa and Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, each reducing to five, and, and finally... He said, let them be five prayers in the day and night and let every prayer count as ten. That makes fifty prayers. This word of mine shall not be changed, nor shall my book be abrogated. Meaning that's the final say. Let whoever is about to perform a good deed, 
even if he does not ultimately do it, receive the reward of doing it. Well, that's why we should, in your mind and in your speech, you should always speak of a good deed you would have loved to do. You get the reward of it. And when the situation happens, then you'll do it. If you, if you speak about it. Okay? But you just keep it in your head. You may not get the reward and you may not, uh, even if you just talk, think about it, you'll get the reward of it. But when you talk about it and you talk about it over and over and over, then when the situation happens, you may do it. You're more likely to do it because you've implanted it in your head, the intention. If he does it, he receives tenfold. And if someone is about to commit a bad deed, but he does not do it, then nothing will be written against him. And if he does it, he only gets one sin. Then the cloud was dispelled and the Prophet returned to Musa a.s. And he said he has removed five prayers. Thereupon Sayyidina Musa says, go back and get, ask for less. This is why it may, some have said there, Sayyidina Musa's salah was Fajr and Maghrib. That's it. They only had Fajr and Maghrib. They didn't have five prayers, they had two. And Allah knows best if that's true or not. I have gone back to my Lord until I feel too shy before him. Rather, I accept and I submit. Thereupon a herald called out, I have decreed my obligation and have reduced the burden on my servants. Musa salam then said to the Prophet, return back down in the name of Allah. We're doing on time. What time is it now? 2.26. We should, we should start moving to Q&A. And let's read. Um, yeah, we should go to Q&A at this point. There, are, there is one section on the descent. Okay, we'll read that quickly. The Prophet ﷺ did not pass a throng of angels except they said to him, Alayka bil hijama. Subhanallah. Release some blood. We need to do hijama. Uh, we talked about this before. Do we have a, a local hijama person? Can he come? Can he be part of our crew or is he somewhere else? He's in North Jersey. We need a local... Um, I don't care at this point, but I want to make it a habit to do hijama once a month on Thursdays. Like Thursday when we come for our Thursday operation here, Thursday night, go out into the bathroom and do hijama. Hijama is the, uh, it's cupping and then they slice pieces of your skin. Where are you, Said? Ah, Pakistan. We need someone to come. Not once a month. That's too much. Yeah, answer Ryan's email so we can get a course going. Uh, but once every two months, right? Even once every three months. Your friend from, from North Jersey? Let's bring him down. He's in Turkey, say Muhammad. Hey, Ryan, your, your friend from North Jersey, see if he could come. Um, yeah, let's see if he could come next Thursday, right? Five o'clock before a convert class, we all do hijama from like five to seven or whatever. Are you down? Yeah. Let's do it. Do we need, is this something that needs a waiver? What, public hijama? To do it here in the masjid? I wouldn't be surprised if it By schedule. Like I'll take the five o'clock slot, right? I guess we'd be all laying here, right? <laughs> With cups on our backs, right? Someone watching this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess we do sort of need some kind of... Let me ask permission of the message, otherwise we'll find another place to do it, right? But Thursday we'll do it, right? Huh? I can get both of them. I don't know. 
front. Knife is a knife, right? Blade is a blade. As the Prophet ﷺ was just, unless he's going to say, where's Allah? And he's got a blade in his hand, right? <laughs> As the Prophet ﷺ was descending, he asked Jibreel ﷺ, why did I not see any of the people of heaven except they welcome me and smile me except one? I greeted him and he greeted me back and welcomed me, but no smile. He said that was Malik, custodian of the fire. He doesn't smile. He only smiled once since the day he was created. If he had ever smiled for anyone, it would have been for you. When the Prophet ﷺ reached the nearest heaven, he looked below and he saw a dense cloud of smoke filled with clamor. He said, what is this, Jibreel? He said, these are the devils that swarm over the eyes of human beings so that they will not think about the dominions of the heavens or the earth or else they would see all the wonders of the heavens. Then he mounted the buraq again, which had been tied in Jerusalem, and he departed. He passed by a caravan of Quraysh in such and such a place and saw a camel upon which there were two tied containers, one black and one white. When he came face to face with the caravan, there was a stampede in which the caravan turned around and that camel was thrown down to the ground and its freight broke. The Prophet ﷺ passed by another caravan that had lost one of its camels, which the tribe of so-and-so had rounded up. The Prophet ﷺ greeted them, and one of them said, This is the voice of Muhammad. After which the Prophet returned to his companions in Mecca shortly before the morning. When morning came, he remained alone, and knowing that people would belie him, he sat despondently. Allah's enemy, Abu Jahd, was passing by, and he reproached and sat down next to him, saying, By way of mockery, has anything happened? The Prophet ﷺ said, Yes. He said, what happened? He said, I was taken uh, on a night journey last night. Abu Jahl said, where to? He said, to the hallowed house, Al-Bayt al-Muqaddas. Then you woke up here amongst us? He said, yes. Right? He said it straight to Abu Jahl. Miracles only pull the kufr out of people or the iman out of people. Whatever's in your heart. When you see a miracle, that's what's going to come out. Abu Jahl decided not to, tell, to belie the Prophet, fearing that the latter would deny having said this to him, if he went and he told the people of Mecca. So he said, what do, you, what do you think if I called your people here? Will you say what I just said? The Prophet said, yes, I will tell everybody. He only told them about the Isra, not the Mi'raj. Abu Jahl cried out, Oh people, children of the Ka of Ka'b ibn Ay, come. Everyone came. And so they all sat around, the two of them. Abu Jahl said, tell your people what you just told me. See, enemies back in that day, they face each other face to face. Today, it's all on Twitter. Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, I was taken on a night journey last night. They said, to where? Usriya bi. They said, he said, ilal bayt al-muqaddas. They said, and then you woke up here? Like you went there and came back? He said, yes. There was no one left except clapping their hands. All right. And held his head in amazement or clamored and considered it an enormity. You know these people who clap after every word, right? Al-Mut'im ibn Adi said, all of your affair before you today was bearable until this. We strike the flanks of she-camels for a month to reach Al-Bayt al-Muqaddas. Then another month to come back. And you claim that you went there and came back in one night. By Allah, by Al-Uzza, we do not believe. Abu Bakr said, O Mut'im, it is an evil thing that you just said to your brother's son. 
when you, have, when you faced him thus and declared him a liar. As for me, I bear witness that he spoke the truth. So hence Abu Bakr became called Abu Bakr Siddiq. The people said, Muhammad, describe the, the house for us. How is it built? What does it look like? How near is it to the mountain? There was some men among them who had been there. They said, bring those men who were there. And he began, the Prophet ﷺ began to wonder, how would he describe it? He went at night, prayed two rakahs and left. How would he know? It was dark. There, were, there are no lamps there. Suddenly Jibreel emerged and showed the Prophet, waved his wing like this and showed the Prophet the house. Emerged. Then he was able to look at it and say it's structured like this, it appears like this, it's proximity to the mountain is such and such. And he did not stop describing it to them because it was, he was watching it, looking at it right in front of them until he began to experience um, doubts about his description. Actually, this is before Jibreel showed him. He was seized with an anxiety that he had never had before, whereupon he was brought to the mosque, the mosque itself in front of him. And that's exactly, that's what I said earlier before describing this part that the house was shown before him. He described what he could describe. Then he stopped. He didn't have any more knowledge. Then Jibreel showed him the house. And he was placed outside the gates of Aqil. And the people said, how many gates does the mosque have? And he had not counted them before. No one goes into the place counting how many doors there are. Right? Then, but now he was able to look at the whole mosque all right, and he was able to describe them. All while Abu Bakr was saying, you have spoken the truth, you have spoken the truth, I bear witness that you are the messenger of Allah. The people said, as for the description then, by Allah he's correct. All right, he got the description. He, he describes it correctly. They turned to Abu Bakr and said, but do you believe what he said, that he went last night and came back? He said, yes, and I believe something more greater than this. I believe that news of the heavens comes to him. Okay, whether it's morning or evening. Okay, and that's a journey that takes far longer. Because of this, Abu Bakr was named a Siddiq. And therefore, Iman in our religion is based upon reason and evidence. Right? Like, why, can, why shouldn't I believe that he can go to Jerusalem and come back when the heavens is far further than Jerusalem and he receives that news morning and evening? They then said, Oh Muhammad, tell us about our caravans. So if you went, you should be able to tell who's where in the caravans. He replied, I saw the caravan of the tribe and so-and-so, and I was come, saw them coming back. They had lost one of their camels and were searching for it everywhere. I reached the mounts, and there was no one of them. I found the water bottle and drank from it. Then I reached the caravan of tribe and so-and-so, and in such and such a place, I saw a red camel carrying one black container and one white one. When I came face to face with the caravan, there was a stampede. The animals all got shocked, and that camel fell. And its freight broke. Then I reached the caravan of tribe and so-and-so. They were at Ten'im. And it was headed by a grayish camel on which there was a black hair cloth and two black containers. And here, was, uh, and here there are there three caravans about to reach you from this mountain pass. They said, when will they arrive? He said, on the fourth day of this week, meaning in four days. On that day, Quraysh came out expecting the caravans. The whole day passed, nothing came. The Prophet ﷺ made an invocation and the day was extended as if the sun stopped. Okay? And then the caravans came. They went to meet the riders and said, did you lose a camel? They said, yes. They asked the second caravan, did one, of, did one red camel of yours shatter her freight, fall, and everything broke? They said, yes. They asked the first caravan, did anyone lose a water bottle? 
One man said, I did by Allah, and I had prepared it, but none of us drank, drank it, nor was it spilled to the ground. At, th at this, they accused the prophet of sorcery. They said, this is black magic. So miracles do not bring iman, do not transform kufr into iman. They bring out the kufr and make it worse, and they bring the iman and make it better. Okay. Then Allah Ta'ala revealed, we appointed not the vision which we showed you, but as a test. Surah Al-Isra. That's not the correct wording of the verse. إِلَّا فِتْنَةً لِلنَّاسِ وَالشَّجَرَةَ الْمَلْعُونَةَ فِي الْقُرْآنِ Why? Because this is the two things that Abu Jahl, this is the 60th ayah of Surah Al-Isra. Uh, the two things, the Isra, the Isra and the Zakum. Zakum is a tree in hell. That's why this Isra and Mi'raj is coupled with Ash-Shajarat al-Mal'unatif al-Qur'an because Abu Jahl used to go around and, and confirm kufr with people, right, uh, by mentioning these things. They say, okay, you think Muhammad is, is, is sound? Yes. But he says that there's a tree in, in hell. Wouldn't a tree burn, right? Isn't a tree made of wood and leaves? Ash-Shajarat al-Mal'unatif al-Qur'an. Right? A tree would have burned. What's the Arabic rhyme? Yeah. That's the verb that I. Wa ru'ya illa We have not given this vision that we have given to you, except as a fitna for the people, okay? Meaning, it will take the iman out of the believer, it will increase the iman of the believer, and it will increase the kufr of the kafir. Because that is asking us to believe that there is a possibility of a wooden tree that doesn't burn by fire. And the Prophet, and he says, look what the Quran says. The Quran says, You put rocks in it, and it burns the rocks, And yet you're telling us there's a tree there that doesn't burn, right? So he is stuck in his materialist mindset that wood must burn by fire all the time, that this is a law. We don't believe in laws of nature. We believe in the, we could call it, um, the, it's better better word to say is the habits of nature or the common creation of nature. Allah Ta'ala has created for us the habitual creation of creating ashes after fire, right? But Allah Ta'ala could, could have caused fire to produce wetness. This is the aqeed of Muslims, right? We believe, we do not believe in the laws of nature. We believe in the habits of nature. It's hukum adi. It's not a qanun. This is not a law. So if Allah Ta'ala wants to put Prophet Ibrahim in a fire and he feels coolness and peace, He can feel coolness and peace. If Allah Ta'ala wants to put a fire, a tree, wood, a, tr a wooden tree in fire, in the hellfire, He can cause that tree to flourish in that fire. 
It could gain nourishment from that fire, not great, be burnt. If Allah wanted to pour water on a person and that person feels gets burned instead of feeling cool water, it could happen. These things that Allah created, He creates two things at the same time. He doesn't have to. He only chooses to. Okay. This is a very important part of Aqidah. وَمَا جَعَلْنَا الرُّؤْيَا الَّتِي أَرَيْنَاكَ إِلَّا فِتْنَةً لِلنَّاسِ وَالشَّجَرَةَ الْمَلْعُونَةَ فِي الْقُرْآنِ Because Abu Jahl used to use Al-Isra' and then Shajarat Al-Zakum as two things that they clearly broke the material mindset of anyone who believes that these are laws, which we don't believe they're laws at all. Okay. And he would make them uh, stronger in their disbelief. Uh, this is ridiculous. The materialist mindset is not some Western thing. All humans can have this, right? Even Iblis, fire is clearly greater than mud, right? What's, what's better, fire or mud? Fire is more beautiful than mud. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He chooses, He can create a creature of mud that is superior than a creature of fire, right? Or a creature of a smokeless fire, which is a type of maybe some we could call it a type of energy ladies and gentlemen once a year is enough okay according to Sayyid Muhammad Daniel once a year is enough for hijama so let's get him this year and once a year we'll knock it out Shaban we'll make Shaban the year the time of hijama to get ready for Ramadan so if you can please call that brother and see if he you texted him already. If he come next Thursday, it will do it here or we'll do it at Fatah. Either way, it doesn't matter. So answer Ryan's email so that you can start setting up and, and, and start uh, teaching a class for us. All right, Watermelon 786, question and answer has started. Here we go. Is it Q&A? Yes. What did, why did the angels do hijama, uh, tell, or tell the prophets to do hijama? Because it's good for us. It's good for us. Should we prioritize working with Muslims rather than non-Muslims, and do we get the reward for the intention of helping our brothers and sisters? Well, if we're going to be around people constantly, non-stop, then yes, we should um, prioritize being with believers. As Allah says, Kunu Because who you're with constantly, non-stop, will, will eventually rub off on you. You're going to NYU. Can people not in it attend your lecture? You can come to NYU, yeah. And on the telegram, we'll say where we're going because we're going to eat first. So anyone who's in the New York, New Jersey area... Uh, Ryan will keep you posted on where we're, we are exactly. Tomorrow we're going to leave here. Sheikh Murad finishes school. At, he finishes teaching at 2.30, 3 o'clock. So let's meet here at 3.30, let's say. Drive up. We'll be in New York, let's say, 4.30. Omar Khattak is meeting us there. He'll take us to a place to eat. And then that'll be next to NYU. Then we'll go to NYU from there. So maybe two cars. So Zeb, make sure you come, make sure you come, make sure you come, make sure you come. Are you, are you working these days? You'll be back? When are you leaving? 
Tomorrow you go to Silicon Valley? What time? Evening? Evening? Okay. Okay. What airport? EWR. Okay. Uh, can uh, someone send the telegram main? Uh, you can do that, right? Listening live from Medina. Please make dua for us. May Allah bless the Fiend Society and everyone and everything that comprises it and works towards it. Uh, Naba Adam says this. So please make dua for us on Laylatul Jum'ah in Medina right now. I believe it is Maghrib, past Maghrib in Medina. So we really have a lot of hope in such a dua. Dua from Medina, Laylatul Maghrib, uh, Laylatul Jum'ah. I am the primary caretaker of my disabled father. He's in the last stages of a terrible neurological disease. And he goes in and out of sleep. Should I have him do qada for the miss salah? If, if he is passing out fainting, then no. But if he is sleeping, then yes. And he could even do it in his bed. What is the best way to manage time? To be honest with you, if you wake up early, you'll get a lot done. If you wake up late, you won't get a lot done. That's one of the basic principles. So, in, But in order... Can you believe it, Ryan? I'm still actually a little bit jet-lagged from California. Like, I sleep late. Like, I still sleep late. Like, these, these last, this last week, I haven't actually slept early. I've been sleeping really late, and I need to fix myself. Yeah. And it's, it's probably someone who was, like, forced to wake up like him, right? Yeah. He was forced to be up, and that he got probably got fixed right away. Um, but you want to you want to advance. The best thing is to, uh, to 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 sleep early, wake up early. Zog says, "Who meet us at the restaurant?" Very good. What is the meaning of "Qul innama unzirukum bilwahi"? I warn you with the Quran. وَلَا يَسْمَعُ السُّمُّ الدُّعَاءَ إِذَا مَا يُنْدَرُونَ Those who do not want to hear, they don't want to receive the message, will not benefit from the Qur'an. That's what it means. That means that the da'wah comes from someone who wants to benefit. You ever talk about hypnotism, they say about it, is that who can be hypnotized? The one who wants to be hypnotized. Hypnotism is not like waving a clock and then the person starts sleepwalking. That's the movies. Right? But hypnotism is its focus. It's p- push, putting your mind into a focus of something. And you can only focus on something you want to be focused upon, right? that you want to focus on. So this ayah is saying the da'wah will not reach anybody. It's a weird comparison between da'wah and hypnotism. But it just goes to show that the human will will override anything. Right? If you don't want to believe in something, you will not hear it. You will not, it will not settle in your heart. That's the meaning of the ayah. If you're donating on someone else's behalf so that they obtain a reward, first of all, they must be di- 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 died as a Muslim. Is it enough just to set the niyyah? Do you have to tell the person? No, you don't have to tell the person you're donating to. And the person you're donating on behalf of can only... Assalamu alaikum the person you're donating on behalf of has to have already died as a Muslim. You do not give do donation on behalf of someone still alive. You only do donations. You can give sadaqah on behalf of someone dead. You can give person money and say, please give sadaqah, get the reward. They have to do it themselves. How can I join your halakas? I live in Saraville, New Jersey. MJ Steele says. 
you, we're free to come at one o'clock at any time. Come tonight at six o'clock. Convert class, Aisha, Sov class, night of Salah on the Prophet New Brunswick Islamic Center. What does Fi Sabilillah mean in the ayah of Zakah? It's jihad only. Jihad and nothing else. Fi Sabilillah in the verse of Zakah as one of the categories of Zakah is jihad, nothing else. Naba Adam, please ask that Allah does ijab of our personal du'a too. We have personal prayers that we ask Allah on and Laylatul Jum'ah in Medina. We ask, uh, ask Allah for us, please uh, ask Allah to answer our du'a. Give us the ijabah of the du'a that we're making here. It's also past, it's Laylatul Jum'ah in Europe too. So we need those du'a from everyone who has already entered Laylatul Jum'ah. It's a sacred time. Of course, Medina is a sacred place, but we, at least we have the sacred time everywhere else. There they have the sacred time and the sacred place. Okay. Sayyid Muhammadan says, we treat points for boosting immune system for cancer and around the place of the cancer itself to drain the cancer cells and clean the veins and arteries for enhancement of cure. Amazing. Amazing. What's a dua to get me to read, to get Sheikh to read my DM? <laughs> DM where? On Twitter or on Facebook? What is the tafsir of Thumma atim layl? Then fast until night. What is night? Night is when even a portion of the horizon has night. So the night appears in the east while it's still day in the in the west. Sun sets in the west, right? Okay. Once the sun sets, there's still daylight in the west. But the night has appeared from the east. Therefore, it's night. Mutlaq al-layl. The bare minimum of night. Then fast until Maghrib. That's what it means. If you're sleepwalking and find yourself reciting Qur'an, is there something going on? You, are, you have a sleepwalking problem. Oh, sleep talking, he's saying. Not sleepwalking. I think that's a great blessing. Malaika are, are giving you talqeen, they say. Some, some have said malaika are giving you talqeen. If you're 30 years and up, then hijama once a year is enough. Niqabi says, what advice will you give to someone who's 50 plus and has not done much for akhirah? Firstly, thank Allah Ta'ala that you're even thinking about it. Now you have time to fix your situation. Make hajj. Start fresh. Clean the slate. Get rid of all your interest debt. Fix your relationships with people. And this will take a lot of iman. Gas up your iman by awrad, morning and evening. Gas it up. The gas is the ibadah. But what are you doing? Make hajj if you can. Get rid of interest debt if you can. Fix your relationship with people. If you have an ex-husband, you have uh, uh, someone that you have a feud with, try to soften. Okay, we don't like each other, but let's not feud. Right? You don't have to like everybody, but we don't have to feud. It doesn't have to be nasty every single time that we have a chance we jab at each other. It doesn't have to be like that. We have our differences, but we can live civilly together. I have treated prostate cancer with hijama. He said, wait a second, how did you do? Where was the hijama done? If, he, if you're removing the cancer cells with that blood, which makes total sense, right? Makes total sense. Why didn't the medical industry think of this? I mean, he's not going to answer, obviously, but yeah, my, my, 
my mind went somewhere for some reason. Between you and Ryan, get us someone for next Thursday, inshallah. Melody says, it's hard to sleep early. Give us ease that we may worship you the best way. You know what the best way to sleep early is to, to exercise, be exhausted. Do exercise during the day. You'll exhaust yourself, right? Most of the time, how many days pass by you never broke a sweat? That's bad, man. That is bad. Because there are toxins in the body that come out with the sweat, right? That come out with the sweat. It's good to sweat. And that, uh, if you can get one of those cheap $200 treadmills, skinny little treadmill, get it, right? And just, even if you have nothing to do, just get on that treadmill. Even just walking uphill is enough. It make you tired. Senatotic says, can you do a whole family sadaqah, i.e. the main earned gives charity on everyone else's behalf no it's it'll be behalf on the maybe the family will get the barakah of it but charity on behalf of somebody else that person must be dead died as a muslim i can't go for example say i have a hundred dollars i'm going to give the sadaqah and you all get the reward no it doesn't work like that unless you die first When are we doing Ramadan prep? In Sha'ban, inshallah. We'll do a Ramadan prep class. Is it true that a woman's qareen is male and vice versa? Never heard of it. I don't know if the shayateen, the, the qareens are males or females. I don't know that. Can everyone make dua for my mom? Macro star, she is unwell. So this is mini star. So macro star needs dua. May Allah give her a speedy shifa. And let her recite Salat Tibiyah. And if you and if she can't recite it, you recite it. Salat Tibiyah three hundred times a day. If anyone accidentally breaks the fast, can one leave the mashhur of the Madikis and take the opinion of Imam Al Qurtubi that the fast is still valid? No. No. Make up the day. Keep fasting and make up the day. You you want fasting? You're in imsak right now. You're im you're in imsak, but. Uh, Imsek from food and drink, but you have to make up the fast. There's no need for that. Any tip for a student learning Quranic Arabic? Try to listen to lectures on YouTube. Try to find shiuch that speak in fusha on YouTube and listen to their lectures. You'll slowly, slowly, slowly. Just like a three-minute clip with the translation. Like Sayyid Ramadan al-Buti has many. Two, three-minute clip with the translation. Cover the translation. Listen, 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 listen. Then listen with the translation. Read the subtitles. Then try to pick up and pause and go back and pause and go back. You might spend a week on a three-minute video, but you'll, you'll figure it out. Even if part of it may be a little bit of dialect, no problem. Just tutoring help me a lot too. You get tutoring? What's the organization? It's called Preply. Preply? Yeah, it's, like it's not even an Islamic organization, is it? Okay, good. So Ryan got himself a, a tutor on Preply. How do I remain respectful and transparent to non-Muslim colleagues with a heavy frat culture outside of work? I think that the less you think about it, the better, right? The more you think of yourself as being different, the more you'll act different 
and people will feel that you're different. But Allah knows best. I've never been in this situation. I've, I, of course, have worked in small amounts of time with non-Muslims, but uh, I don't. We, they, we never had a situation like this that there were like frat culture and stuff. Ibrahim says, "We're from Romania. When would you like to make an international Umrah?" Well, we have Umrah next year, inshallah, next winter, and you'll you'll be free to meet us there. And the dates are set already. It's like December 26th to January 1st. Something like that. Is it okay to donate zakah with the hopes that Allah gives you something? Yes, of course. When you give zakah, firstly, you're not donating zakah. A donation is something that is yours that you give to someone else. Remember, zakah money is not yours. Zakah money is not, it's not ours. Zakah money is the poor's. And we're just giving them their money. However, you do have the right and you should hope that Allah rewards you for it. Of course, no problem. Allah should reward you for it. Or, astaghfirullah, you should ask for the reward for it. Allah is promising reward for it. He's promising you the reward. What do you think of the new Muka'ab project by MBS? I have a lot to say, but I'm not going to say it. Because I want to go to Umrah next year. And it's gotten to the point you can't talk. There, there is a point where you, I talk, I've talked about it offline but I'm not going to do it online because it's that bad in terms of the surveillance is that bad what deeds can you do on behalf of someone else who is alive I know you can make dua but you cannot give sadaqah for them no what about reading Quran for them no well, when you recite the three quls upon somebody it's not that you're, you're reciting it for them you're reciting it and hoping that Allah will answer your dua, that Allah protects them. Okay. But ultimately, while people are alive, they have to act on their own. Dua for them. Teach them. Educate them. Can you still burn incense in the room while fasting? No. Because that vapor could go into your nose and cause a driplet to come down. Please record tonight's night of uh, Salah on the Prophet Sallallahu Are we streaming on Insta? Yes, we will as soon as we get back to the studio. Would the incense one also be uh, applicable to like uh, steam your roof? Like if you have like a room that needs steam or let's say you take a shower or you have showers? That's fine because it's unavoidable. Shower is unavoidable. Dust in the road is unavoidable. Uh, the woman cooking soup is unavoidable. But um, uh, unnecessary. We can't do that. Sharia doesn't require that. Yeah. Sharia doesn't require that. It's too much of a hardship. With Witr Salah, is three rak'ahs in one prayer or two and then one? It, if you're a Hanafi, it's three in a row. Three in a row. And if you're not a Hanafi, it's two rak'ahs, salam out, then one rak'ah. Recommended surahs in it. Sabbih isma rabbik al-a'la. Al-atak hadith rashiyah. Three quls, al ala wal kafirun, sorry. And then al ala wal kafirun and the three quls. Abdul Qadir al Hussein, very good Arabic, says Sayyid Muhammad Daniel. Abdul Qadir al Hussein. 
What is the meaning of وَوَهَبْنَا لَهُ إِسْحَاقَ وَيَعْقُوبَ نَافِلَةً وَكُلًّا جَعْنَا صَالِحِينَ We gave Prophet Ibrahim Ishaq and Yaqub. Nafila means extra because we already gave him Ismail. That would have been enough of reward. But we gave him Ishaq too. And Ishaq produced Yaqub. Extra reward for gifts. Ata for Sayyidina Ibrahim. And all of them, we have made them righteous. What is the recommended amount of fasting during Sha'ban based on the Prophet's practice? As much as you can. The Prophet used to fast almost all of Rajab and almost all of Sha'ban. And then he would leave the last few days before Ramadan, he would not fast them so that he can go in fresh in Ramadan. So as much as you can fast in Sha'ban. If one sees a good dream after making a lot of du'a, how can they maintain the motivation of making du'a for what they desire? Allah loves ilhah. Allah loves the one who asks and asks and asks. We call it pestering in this world. You're repeating it over and over and you're pestering me. But Allah loves this quality. Because it shows iman. He wa- and He wants to build persistence in people. And He wants to build sabr in people. Right? Niqabi M giving sadaqah on behalf of a live person is valid in Hanafi madhab according to Ask Imam. I don't know about that. Maybe. Allah. Is it true? Silicon Valley says it's true. He's heard that it's true. We'll see. What is the name of the Egyptian Quran reciter who recites five juz two and a half hours? MashaAllah. Five juz in half an hour. Muhammad Jibril. The famous reciter Muhammad Jibril. He's now older now, but he is like considered one of the best tajweed. His reciting style, it's up to you if you like his style or not, but in Tajweed, some of the best. Are Lego figures statues? Yes, they are statues, and statues is halal to play for kids to play with. It's not halal for adults, but it's halal for kids. Can you start uploading the streams on Spotify again? Yes, we'll get on that, inshallah. Esra D, I want to be with you in Umrah. Yeah, okay, come, inshallah. The dates are set. We'll publicize the hotels that we're at and everything as soon as we get them from, from, from the company that we're using. Is it permissible to close your eyes in prayer? No, it's makru. We pray exactly as the Prophet prayed and he never shut his eyes in salah. Are good deeds accepted at a time when someone did not pray or did not specifically think of doing it for Allah? After you repented, you can get the reward for that. After you made tawbah and refixed your intention, and you start praying, then you can get the, the reward of those good deeds. Okay, But um, if you're not, then no, because you didn't do it for Allah. And if you truly did it for Allah, then you should pray for Allah, right? You should fulfill everything for Allah. It, if, you keep, if you don't pray, but you do other good deeds, those good deeds will eventually lead you to pray. Because your, your connection to Allah will get stronger and stronger and stronger until you, will, uh, you fulfill everything that you need to fulfill. Are you allowed to cook while fasting? Yes. Even if there are vapors, yes. What books do you recommend for intermediate and advanced Islamic studies? That's a big question. That is a big question. But you're, we should have all the library, a library of books on Aqidah. Al-Bidaya fi Usul al-Din, published by Zaytuna Institute, uh, Zaytuna College. It's a thick book on Aqidah. Very good book.
I continue to have dreams when certain animals, creatures that are present. What about clear water that has a steady flow? That's very good. And vicious animals are not good in dreams. They sign of either vicious people or vicious qualities within us. Yes. Yeah, your dreams can be seen for, for you by others. They need to tell the person. Maybe something, clearly something, huh? Yeah, clearly something is uh, connecting you. Not wajib, I don't say wajib, but appropriate, we should say. I need dua. My brothers and sisters for my dad he's saying they're unwell may Allah Ta'ala give you a speedy shifa and make your return stronger than you were or her dad can we fast on Fridays yes you can we have no problem with fasting on Fridays it doesn't have to be Thursday and Friday or Friday and Saturday it could just be Friday just the intent should not be to imitate Jews that's it if the intent is let's be like the Jews then no. Al-Muhaddith says, what is the correct method of moon sighting that you should follow? Well, I know that in our area, we go to a high peak top, somewhere high, and you look towards the Qibla. All right? You look towards the east. And then you look a little bit above the horizon. You should see the moon. Hamza Azizi says, as a medic, I live and I work in two different cities 100 miles apart. When I go home after Asa is almost out and I'm exhausted, can I pray shortened ahead of its time with Dhuhr? Before you leave, yes. You're a traveler, not in your office, but in the commute aspect. So, What's that? So if you've packed up everything and you are a traveler now, remember, you are a traveler, as a commuter, let's say I work in New York City, and let's say it's past traveler's distance. I'm a traveler when I leave my house to get to New York. When I'm there, I'm not a traveler. But if you were to pack up all your bags and you're now headed to the train station, now you're a traveler. You're a traveler. You pray Dhuhr and Asr. You're a traveler. You can combine them. There you're not a traveler. In your office, which is like a second home, you're not a traveler. Have you come upon this question before, Ryan? Uh, well, I think what they're saying is, can they bring Asr into Dhuhr? Not when you're there in your office. Only uh, as a traveler. Even at Jama'at, you can pray Asr before Asr. I thought you had to do Jama'at in your second. It could be the first or the second. Yeah. First or the second. When we're traveling, we could do Jama'at in the first, Taqdeem or Taqdeer. Let's say you drive, you, you get on the train at Asr time, you arrive home at Aisha time. You're a traveler. You weren't obligated to pray in that period of time. You pray Aisha, then Maghrib, then Aisha when you get home. Yeah. That's just the, the, the fiqh of Salah for the commuter. HD, recommended places to study Maliki fiqh in general, institutes around the world. Depends, with Arabic or in English? In English, we have ArcView, right? A lot of courses so far. And in Arabic, there's a lot. 
in Arabic. You're talking about online, right? There is one, I can't remember what it's called, it's, uh, but Mauritanians teach it. What is it called? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? It's uh, Nabaghiya. Time check. What's the position of Ahl Sunan Ibn Sina and Ibn Rushd? Ibn Sina is a kaf, is a zindiq. There's no doubt about that. He's men's a zindiq. He celebrated people call name their company name their organizations on his name, on uh, Avicenna, and they don't even know what they're talking about. Yes, he's amazing at medicine. Medicine is a worldly science. It's a demonstrable worldly science. It has nothing to do with his iman and his Islam. The man is a zindiq. He didn't even believe in a physical resurrection. He believed the universe was eternal. Uh, he's a zindiq. Ibn Rushd did not pass that level of zindiq. He, he was a philosopher, and he did not enter that level of zindiq. Chief Latif says, halal Korean fried chicken in Atlanta, but they also sell haram. So listen to this. You can't eat fried food if they're mixing the oil so that they'll put the halal fried chicken in the same oil as what is haram or the fried shrimp in the same oil as the fried chicken. That oil has become mutanajis and your shrimp has become mutanajis. So you can eat fried shrimp in a restaurant that's, that has no meat or chicken. That oil is not mixed up. But if it's mixed up, don't eat it there. When we are reading four rakahs behind the imam, should we recite anything during the last two rakahs? Fatiha only. Fatiha. Ah, if yes, correct. If you miss the first two rakahs of dhuhr and you only attended the third and fourth, then while you're in those, you only recite Fatiha. But in the two that you're making up, you recite a surah because you need to make up the surah. Okay. Can I make dua that if somebody had iman that Allah forgives them? Yes, for example, if you knew that somebody was on the fence of accepting Islam or not. Then they die, and you don't know if they accepted Islam or not. You're allowed to restrict your dua. Oh Allah, if they had accepted the Iman, forgive them. You're restricting it to what is permitted. Please help interpret dream. Uh, I can't do that right now, unfortunately. I don't even really do that. I, ha I know someone who does that. Follow up to Hamza's question. What is the etiquette for travelers' prayers? Is it better to pray early or late? If one returns home at the time of Aisha, should they not combine Maghrib and Aisha? Traveler's prayer, it has a lot of components to it. But let me just answer the one question of yours that you said. Um, when you're traveling through the day, through the night, and through Maghrib time, and you arrive home late, you pray Maghrib three rakahs, Aisha four rakahs. I'm coming up to MBIC next week. 
Chief Latif. Once I reach the hotel, then I cannot shorten anymore, right? Yes, you can shorten because you're not, um, if you're staying 20 prayers or less, you just can't combine. When we arrive, we cannot combine. But by the way, the, the Mauritanians do combine. They have a reading of Khalil, which I haven't gotten my head around yet, but they do have a reading of Khalil where they shorten and combine even when they arrive. Yeah. But you will, if you're on the if you're going to follow the mashur that the others are upon, then what you're going to do is you're going to shorten but not combine. When verifying halal food, how thorough should I be? The there must be a Muslim giving you the testimony. That Muslim should not have any signs of public sins. Average Muslim in front of you, right? If he has a beer bottle in his hand, we don't take his testimony. Okay? Average Muslim tells you, uh, you see someone, he's a Muslim. That's it. You don't have to ask or anything. He tells you it's halal. Are there any signs of fisk, selling alcohol? Then your testimony is invalid. Right? So, but if you go in a restaurant, there's no alcohol. There's, sign says halal. A Muslim is telling you it's halal. You accept it. We, the Muslim, you sadaq. That's how simple it is. Google reviews of Muslims? Yes. But they would have to have, you have to ask when it was. It would need to be recent because suppliers are always changing. And on top of that, are they working in there? Or did they talk to someone in there? That's what should be acceptable, inshallah. Sheikh Google is proud of the debate, alhamdulillah. No. He's, he's literally, his name here is Sheikh Google. Last few questions. What's the reasoning to why certain instruments are haram? The Prophet forbade all instruments, then made a few exceptions. That's why. He, what he forbade in his statement is ma'azif. Okay? And he said, one of these, there will come a time upon my ummah that they will make it halal. Therefore, what is it? Haram. Right? And, and then he made an exception for the duff for weddings. Then he heard a, lute, a flute where someone spoke to him about using a horn to call the adhan, and in both cases he did not say it's haram. So they said, okay, well he did not repeat that it's haram, therefore it's makru. And therefore the string instrument was the only other type of instrument, string, percussion, and wind. The prohibition remained. No exception was made. So that is the broadest interpretation on musical instruments possible, namely that it is uh, the the percussion is halal, wind is makru, string is haram. That's the broadest. And that's not the, the dominant in any of the madhabs. But it's just mentioned. Okay. For the Shafi'is, they are the, 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 the one madhab that does have a strong opinion on the permissibility, not discouragement, permissibility of wind as well as percussion. Madhiki madhab is the strictest on music. You can eat what you want, but you can't listen to anything in the Madiki method. So they say that all of it's haram all the time, with the one exception, the duff for weddings only. Because that's an exception made, and we don't make analogy and qiyas on exceptions in the Madiki school. What are the benefits of Salatun Jina? 
everything in it. You see those prayers? They're dua, right? It's dua mixed with salah on the Prophet. Tunjina bihim in jameel ahwali wal afat. Salvation, being saved from calamities. All your needs be fulfilled. Forgiveness of sins. Elevate you in ranks. Grant us all of what we love and want in this life and the next. Amazing salah and dua. Best ibadah to remove blockages in life. Birril walidain and sadaqah. If something feeling like something is blocked, income, marriage, jobs, having children, give sadaqah and do birril walidain. Someone in my family does food deliveries and sometimes you see people with Muslim names but they're ordering haram restaurant. Should he deliver the food or leave it in case the person is a Muslim? The order and the one delivering the order and the one providing the order, all of them are sinful. You can't even do the job, to be quite honest with you, because we know for sure that eventually, someday, today, someone is ordering meta. Simple as that. Huh? Yeah, you, you cannot possibly work as Uber Eats driver without eventually, certainly, someone today is going to order meta. Yeah, exactly. It's the same hukum as somebody who says, give me uh, khamr. Why? Because it's najis. Why is khamr haram? Because it's najis. And it intoxicates you, yes. But it's also if it's najis, right? It's one of the reasons. So, mayta is najis. Anything that is not slaughtered, blade to neck, okay, is we call it mayta. So, the hamburg- uh, hamburger, just because someone cooked it nicely, does not make it food. Right? That patty of meat and anything it touched, right, is to be thrown in the garbage. As nejis mutanejis. And you're not throwing away food. Someone one time could not get it through his head. I don't waste food. Right? It's not food just because you cooked it. If I took a human being and I cooked him, is it food? Right? If I took feces and defecation and made it into a patty and covered it with, with chocolate and then baked it, is it food? Of course not, right? The help. You ever see the help? I didn't see it, but I was told about it. They have a scene like that. Naja, cooked najasa is not food. Right? So anything that that patty touched and the patty itself is to be thrown in the garbage. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is the NYU event open to the public? Yes, it is. It's at 6 o'clock, or is it 6.30? I can't remember, but go to the, it's at 6 o'clock. All right. If there is najasa, haram food, can I give it to a homeless person? No. Najasa cannot be given away. Right. You can give it, you can throw it for, for nature to eat, for, for animals to eat. Yes, that you may do. So you have a hamburger, you threw it, leave it in the backyard. Raccoon comes to eat it. Bear comes. Dogs come to eat it. Stray cats, whatever wants to eat it, can eat it. No problem. There was another um, earthquake in Tajikistan today. Tajikistan had an earthquake today? And it, uh, yesterday, so they felt it in Pakistan, they felt it in China, Afghanistan. What weight? What? Uh, 7.1. Huh? 7.1. 7.1, subhanAllah. 
this had been assigned to the people. SubhanAllah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu wa aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr.